proper copper coffee pot. Tea, Earl Grey, hot. Coffee black. <laughs> Is that from another Star Trek? Lukewarm. That's Janeway. <laughs> Why can't they just order their drinks like humans? What? Why can't they just order their drinks like people? <laughs> it sounds like they're using a special syntax to talk to a machine. They are talking to a machine. I know they're talking to a machine. But it sounds like they're speaking to technology which is not which is not sufficiently advanced to parse their regular language. It sounds like they're talking to a command line. Good talk. Okay. Matthew, did you hear Trevor saying anything? Like, I just heard an annoying buzz. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Trevor, start the thing. Are you being serious, Dustin? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he's not being serious. <laughs> just wanted to check before I recorded a whole episode and then found out my voice was just a buzzing sound. <laughs> All good points, my friend. <laughs> no, you're supposed to say I'm Matthew. <laughs> and I'm Dustin. <laughs> Welcome to Better Worlds, a podcast exploring geek culture across mediums. I'm Trevor. I'm Matthew. And I'm Dustin. What do we have for follow-up today? Well, um, I was watching the Apple keynote from WWDC and saw that a video game, well, a mobile game that I enjoyed is, uh, well, has a sequel released, Monument Valley 2, and I purchased it and played through it and was wondering if you guys did the same. Did you play the whole thing already? Yeah, it's not that hard. <laughs> uh, I just was thinking of length. Is it not very long? Um, it's also not super long. But okay. I don't feel like Monument Valley was an especially long game. But you had... um, I don't know, were they... I wouldn't say DLC, but that you could purchase extra levels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Expansion packs, I guess. I specifically, t- even though it's not that difficult, I find like just the music and the pause for activating a different way for your brain to work refreshing. So I didn't do it all at once. Like, I spread it out a lot. Yeah. And I have not done two yet. I, I find that refreshing and addictive. <laughs> so like, well, if I get a, a new game, I tend to play it a lot at first. Because, I don't know, I'm obsessive. I really wanted to throw in something like like the cool, clear taste of Mountain Dew or something. But when it was refreshing and addictive. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would agree with the enjoyment of the first Monument Valley game, but I have not purchased the second one yet. I am I'm being cheap at the moment. Yeah. I was a little bit disappointed because they didn't throw... There were a couple new mechanics, but I was expecting a lot more than there was one cool thing about it though is at the end of each level instead of you taking your hat off and a shape coming out you actually draw a shape on the screen um i can't really explain it there's like 
five dots and you pick one and start drawing a shape and all of the five move in concert with it and split apart and make a, a cool pattern. So you get to actually draw shapes on it. And that's kind of a fun twist. Shape Wars might be a good way to name our game we invented. Yeah. the I appreciated some of the sound redesign on Monument Valley 2. So. Does it change it much that there is a mother in the game? That is one of the new dynamics, is sometimes you are controlling one player. Hmm. So you're trying to move the daughter by only being able to direct the mom. Like she will mirror whatever the the mother does. And so that is, it adds a level of difficulty because you don't actually have control over that character explicitly. Okay. In some of the levels and other levels you do. So not to give too much away. I would say a lot of sequels for this kind of puzzle game kind of go overboard on the new mechanics so i'm actually kind of encouraged to hear that there's not too much yeah it's just that i guess what i mean by just there wasn't a whole lot for me to try and figure out because it was similar to something i'd seen before or the i was familiar enough with the the mechanics to just be able to tell by looking at it what i needed to do and yeah it it but monument valley the first one was not terribly difficult it was fun to open up new perspectives the first one i would say it was not too much of a the puzzles were more meditative than intellectual it's not like you had to think super hard about how to solve the problems yeah is this fairly similar? Yeah, it is. Okay. So I would recommend it. I just had those thoughts. Okay. I will get around to playing it eventually. Did you purchase it? No. Oh, okay. I will get around to getting it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> to buying it. Same. Matthew, I wasn't aware that you had played the original. I thought I said that a minute ago. Yes. Well, no, I you did say it a minute minute ago prior to this evening. I d was not aware that you had played the original. Maybe I've only talked about it with Trevor. Also, there was a point where you asked for video game recommendations and I mentioned that, but I think oh. you had said you'd already played it. Okay. I am reminded that you have told me before that you play this you have played this game. Okay, we should move on to our second note. Um, Matthew actually already mentioned it. He said something about the game we invented, and that is simply how I listed this in our internal notes, because I didn't want you two thinking about it too much before I brought it up. But last week we talked about spheres versus cubes versus pyramids in the context of, um, uh, Borg, Death Star, Ra, or Gold. I guess Borg Death Star Raw has more of a ring to it than Borg Death Star Gua'uld. Um, <laughs> and as I was editing the episode, I had the thought that this could actually be turned into sort of a scissors, paper, stone kind of game or whatever you guys call it. I learned the game in Singapore. What do you call it? Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. Okay. So 
it has a similar dynamic. And so I thought a little bit about which one would win each fight. And there's, uh, I'm sure a ton of thinking about this online that I don't really care to get into, but my thought is death star beats Borg because it wins in one shot and there's no time to, um, no time to adapt. The Borg beats raw because it can assimilate all of the human subjects and the Jaffa and probably even the Gua world and raw or the Gua world would beat the death star because raw could subjugate the humans on the death star. The death star leaves rubble though, doesn't it? Rubble? Like it doesn't, disintegrate what it blows up um yeah i mean at least yeah i think if there's one borg that lives and comes in contact with the death star it's game over for the death star but it wouldn't live game over man game over they don't need air it would be in little bitty pieces yeah but they're they're also like personally shield i don't know i just think you there's a chance that something that could assimilate or try to assimilate would survive the death shot okay well just to be succinct i'm not really interested in discussing this <laughs> i've already made my decisions about what would be what the question that remains is how do we turn this into a simple hand game like scissors paper stone or rock paper scissors and i spent way too much time trying to figure out how to make cubes and spheres and pyramids <laughs> with my hand and it wasn't working out so I need an input. Make them two-dimensional and make a triangle, a square, and a circle. Using two hands for all of those. Make like a... Use two hands? That'd be kind of hard. Yeah, use your your thumb and, and forefinger on both hands to make a triangle. Then rotate one of those to make a square. And then connect them in a circular fashion to make a circle. I feel like it would be pretty fuzzy, like, oh, no, I totally had a circle. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, it would. But I'm just, that was just my first thought. Yeah, lots of fights between children or grown adults such as ourselves. So you could have, like, a fist for the Death Star, and you could have a an open hand for the Borg cube because the cube would fit nicely in your hand. And then you could make, like, uh, use your two, your forefinger and your middle finger to make like a v shape for the sort of the two sides of a triangle that could work two sides of a triangle yeah and maybe even bring them together <laughs> periodically <laughs> you know this could actually work i think we've come up with our symbol <laughs> If you have any ideas about why this is a terrible idea, please let us know at our various feedback sources. Does the victory rubric still work the same, or would it lead to a different rubric and thus even more fights? Get the Hold fist on. beats rock. I'm sorry. <laughs> the flat Death star beats Borg would win the fist. Oh, that no, that inverts everything. This is some quality listening. <laughs> it it rotates everything around excellent changes the direction of beating i'm so glad to hear that reverse the polarity <laughs> okay so if you dear listeners have any input on um, good hand signals to turn this into a fun game then let us know we're just gonna get screenshots of middle fingers
Oh, no. <laughs> Please don't oh, send I, us screenshots of middle fingers. Okay. I, I know there's already something with Spock out there that is some joke I don't care about, but I feel like our thing is better. So Definitely. Especially once we actually formulate signals for hand signs for it. So, so much better. Help us out. Okay, third and final piece of follow-up. I have just a couple quick points of follow-up on the Imperial Ratch series. In the last episode, I said that the order went justice, mercy, sword. And I had reasons in my head that that made perfect sense. But the correct order is actually justice, sword, mercy. I have actually read Justice and Sword and have just started Mercy. Um, did you have any thoughts on that, Dustin? Nope. Okay. The other thing is the pronunciation of the word that is at the beginning of each of those titles. Um, I was really stressing out about this before we recorded with Matthew and Dustin because I didn't know if it was ancillary or ancillary. And uh, it turns out the U.S. and the U.K. version of the pronunciation are different and I've been listening to British audiobooks. So that's why in my head it's ancillary sword, ancillary justice, ancillary sword, ancillary mercy. You mean ancillary. No, that's the American pronunciation. What? <laughs> you said in your head it's ancillary and you wanted to say ancillary. Oh man, see this is how confused it makes me. Yeah, okay. The US pronunciation is ancillary. The UK pronunciation is ancillary. So I've been hearing them say ancillary in the books that I'm listening to, but they also say lieutenant instead of lieutenant and various other British isms. But it has led to me becoming very confused about how to say that word. Which brings me to the third point of follow-up for this individual point. We talked a little bit about how the word ancilla is used for Cortana in the Halo series. And I was really afraid of mentioning spoilers, so I didn't say this last episode, but I decided it is not a spoiler, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. In Halo, Cortana is sort of a supplement to the ship. Would you say that's accurate, Matthew? Yes. She's... She, stands, she stands apart from the ship, and in line with the definition of the word Ancilla, which is a thing that helps accomplish something difficult, she is there to help the humans run the ship. She is, there's the ship and then there's the AI that's kind of a, an add-on to help manage everything. In the Imperial Ratch books, the AI is not considered a separate thing from the ship. It is the ship. Just as, like, as humans, we don't say that we're a mind and we have a body and, like, we don't separate them in our minds. We are embodied to an inseparable degree. And it's kind of similar with the AI's. In the ships in the Imperial Ratch books. Um, so the main character is not an AI who gets separated from the ship. She is the ship. And she fully considers the ship to be herself. And at the point where the books are told, other than the flashbacks in the first book, she has been reduced to a single ancillary. But she very much considers her full self to be that full embodied version of the ship with the, all the ancillaries. Does that distinction make sense? Yeah. Okay. That brings us to our main topic. No, you're what? jumping the gun. No, I'm not. What do we always do? A fun Finland fact. <laughs> so in Finland, 
Santa Claus is known as Yolupuki, which means Yule Goat. So apparently Santa Claus is a goat in Finland. This is excellent news. <laughs> I thought you would like it. This is my favorite Finland fact so far. I think I saw that one earlier and didn't bring it up for some reason. Yeah. And his house is in Lapland. So apparently Santa Claus actually lives in Finland as a goat. I did see a um, mystery science theater where I think it was set in either Sweden or Finland and they ended up meeting Santa Claus in his house in the middle of the woods. Yep, that's probably Finland. Was he a goat? I can't spoil the movie for you. He was. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have it out of your system? Can we go to... <laughs> that was all the Finland fact I had for today. That brings us to our main topic for the episode, which is E3. What's E3? The Electronics and Entertainment Expo, I think. Actually, I'm glad I asked that because I didn't know what it stood for. Um, basically, since, I don't know, the 90s, it, wasn't that when they first started? I'm not 100% on that. It's been the annual point where um, specifically video games are all announced for the coming year or maybe even further out just to build hype. So it's kind of, if you're interested in video games, a bit like... Um, Christmas and that you're getting lots of news on various franchises and their next games or like potential new games or new systems, just everything like that. I think of it kind of like the San Diego Comic Con with regard to entertainment. Yeah, that's not an unfair comparison, except up until this year, um, it had always been an industry people only thing. This year was the first year that they allowed um, outside just anyone to buy a ticket to go see E3. Interesting. And I think I saw comparison numbers that that upped the, because it's still, I mean, it's pretty expensive to go do, that that upped the attendance by uh, 40%-ish. So that's a big paradigm shift for how things are set up there. That makes sense because... Even if it's expensive, you're going to get a lot of people from the public that want to go. Yeah, because so. you get to, anyone who's there gets to actually like play game demos and mm. um, get swag and stuff like that. It's interesting that it only increased 40% moving from closed to open access. Maybe they only increased the number of tickets sold by 40%. Oh, that's possible. And I guess price is a factor as well. Yeah, and if you want, I mean, at some point you reach a physical constraint on the space. I don't right. know what that point is, but it's whatever the L.A. Convention Center can accommodate. And th to give the actual numbers, I think they saw that it was like 50,000-ish last year, and it was 70,000-ish this year. That's a lot of people. Yep. Holy cow. <laughs> I don't think I realized how big this thing was. I mean, it, you get like anything, anyone who does any sort of game or tech reporting has people there and some people have multiple people there so that they can go to different conferences and cover all the ground because there's just a, there's a lot to do and that's i think roughly a week so yeah um so the main uh, something i observed with it 
there, what the big things that everyone always looks for at E3 are the prep press conferences that are by, um, usually it historically had been like what you would call a console maker, like Nintendo and Sony. Um, recently they've been, you've been getting some bigger game developers doing their own press conferences. So like EA does a press conference, Ubisoft does a press conference. Um, after it started getting its own, after it became more popular, Bethesda started doing their own, uh, conference. So again, a conference is usually where they're going to announce any big games they have. And so people are usually pretty hyped for those. Um, a lot of, in the past, they've usually had like people go on stage and present a game and maybe show a video and talk about it and play a little and then do a string of that. This year, they kind of seemed like they were moving more towards one person introing a little bit, and then it was just a string of videos. Like, And that seemed a little weird to me, because it's like, why don't they just release all the videos online instead of... I don't know. It, it seemed a little odd to just get all these people together for a big event and then just show them a assortment of game trailers and then maybe talk about it a little. But I guess that's just maybe developers changing towards what they think consumer tastes are. I don't know. Yeah. It, it seems a little bit odd because the, as you said, you could just release the trailers online. So the benefit of being at a conference is that you can give more detailed intro or analysis of your game, like the reasons behind it and style. And and I wouldn't want to pay like, I don't know, however many, hundreds of dollars to go to a conference to basically sit in a room and watch videos that I can watch for free a few hours later. Yeah. <laughs> a few hours later. But again, you can go play game demos, but then you have to wait for like hours in line to play game demos. And I don't know. So did they have like really long videos or what? No, it was a, it were, they were long segments of videos all strung together. And it like on a couple, it almost got to like a point where, they're throwing so much information at you. It's like, I don't know how effectively anyone's digesting all of this that's being <laughs> done at this point. So, so like one game company would throw together a mass compilation of all of their games that they were releasing soon. Yeah. Just like trailer after trailer after trailer, um, stuff like that. But I don't know. That was just something that was, and like the, conferences were largely regarded as not being that great this year because of mm. that with maybe the exception of people really like the Nintendo one. Um, but we should talk about the game that we saw that um, we all well, I got, were. I have one more question. Oh, sure. Now Bungie did an event to announce a bunch of stuff about destiny Two, like within the past few weeks, didn't they? Yes, but that was independent of E3. Right. So how big was that event? Was it like a day or what? Oh, that was just their own event. Yeah. Like it was a one a one day thing. I mean, was it just like one big press conference or? Yep. Okay. It was just a big press conference where they had some display stuff. Why didn't they do that at E3? They wanted to not have competition hmm. is my guess. Okay. Did they add anything at E3 to their presentation or was it basically just uh Bungie didn't do a presentation. Oh, the they closest didn't. they 
got was they had like um, a two minute video in the Sony one. Okay. I was going to say, I thought I saw some coverage about destiny Two, but they did, they were there and they provided information like during much smaller, I think a much smaller, I don't know, not stream, but a much smaller discussion thing. But yeah, they didn't have a big conference that was like a, uh, pillar event of the show or mm-hmm. of the whole com- of e3 also they tend to only work on one game at a time is that the norm for companies or not so much um it's hard to uh it if you're a big developer you usually have multiple things going um bungie i think comparatively isn't a big developer because they only have the one studio and it's everyone's kind of working out of that okay. spot some play like Ubisoft has tons of studios all around the world. So they've got people from just like on every continent doing different games at different points. Or you'll have some, I think like Bethesda only has, I believe they only have their Bethesda studio, but they have several studios they own that are part of the like overarching Bethesda, if that makes sense. It's kind of all confusing because it turns into like legal mumbo jumbo of who owns what and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's move on to some actual announcements. So one that was announced was again, a game that I think interested all of us to some degree in that basically we not too, re- not too long ago talked about destiny, a game we all play. And um, we may have mentioned here and there, another developer named Bioware that does a series that we all I might be projecting that we all think fondly of called Mass Effect. Um, and they Bioware announced that they're doing a game that basically looks like their take on destiny, which is going to be called Anthem. So what were your guys impressions of Anthem or should we talk about what it looks like? Go ahead and describe it a little bit. Um, so it's again, kind of, it looks similar at this. We don't have all that much information on it, but it looks similar to what Destiny is. Like, it's a shared world, um, kind of has a post-Golden age feel. Um, so there's some futuristic technology and whatnot, but this shared online world where you can go play with your friends, it's immersive, and you go gear up and discover things. In this, you didn't have so much... you The... Classes were a little different it because that was all based on what robot suit, not robot suit, but mech suit. Yeah, what exosuit exo you wanted to put on. Um, and it looked like those were like you had a balanced one. And then what might again, we, I think we only kind of saw maybe a tanky one. So I'm guessing that they'd also there was one that looked maybe like it was magic-y and one that was speedy. Maybe not magic is the right word. It looked flashy <laughs> so it at this point it just at this point it looks kind of like it's a class-based shooter in an online world that oh and it's a third person shooter i guess that's a difference from bungie when you're abbreviating third person shooter do you say tps or 3ps i don't think anyone abbreviates third person yeah they just say third person hmm. then why do we abbreviate first person um, because people did that, but TPS probably makes people think of those of office space. 
Hmm. And why don't we ever talk about second person shooters? <laughs> you don't live long through those. <laughs> the neglected second person. <laughs> Would that just be a video of you getting shot? <laughs> and you it's shooting. Just, no, it's a gun pointed at the camera and you can click it once and then you're dead. That would be a second person shooter, Trevor. What a horrible game. <laughs> you can make one second person shooter because it's the same game after that. So if you want to, you'd better get on that, I guess. It'd probably be easy to develop. Um, so do you guys have any impressions of Anthem? I'm really excited about it because I like exosuits. And it seemed like this setup would allow for more of the class system that we were expecting from Destiny. Um, and you can, you get, it seemed like from the gameplay video that we watched, that you get a base suit, but you can add modifications to it to even further tweak or um, specialize the way that you want to play. And I also liked that it seemed like you, you're you not stuck in one role. You can have multiple suits, like you're only wearing one at a time. But say today I want to be more of a scout, I can switch my armor for the scout armor at that day and switch back to my Colossus suit the, uh, whenever, you know. So that that was appealing to me. Right. And you can do that to some degree in Destiny, but you have to level up separate characters to do it. So this could really smooth that process out if you want to swap around your playing style. Mm-hmm. The exploration seemed like it might be much richer than it currently is in Destiny 1. Possibly. I didn't really feel like there was that much of an indication of that, personally. But there's also, we saw a six-minute video. Yeah. That is not, I think it even said pre-alpha on it. So it's got a lot. And this is not something that's going to be out this year or I think that I heard fall 2018. So it's a while before it's going to be out. The demo definitely had a lot more 3D movement than you would see in Destiny. And I mean, Destiny is 3D, but you're not moving up and down as much unless you're like climbing a hill or something. Whereas in this, you're like flying around in the suit or even diving underwater and like flying through all these tunnels that are midair and everything. And honestly, um, I'm a little worried about how confusing that's going to be for me because I get really lost in video games sometimes. We s should s switch back to Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> I got lost far less often than that. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the basics of the movement there very much looked like um, the basics of movement in Mass Effect Andromeda in that there was like you could boost and jump up and you could do like a side dash pretty much at any point. Yeah. Which improved the movement. I thought it was an improvement on Mass Effect movement. I'm also a little bit worried about if it's going to be as sludgy as the Mass Effect games are in terms of movement. Did Andromeda improve on that? That is literally what I just said. Well, <laughs> isn't it? Sorry, I may have misunderstood you then. I mean, you were talking about having like side dashes and stuff when you're flying around, but yes, it may. And you can, you have unlimited sprint. It's like it, you move a lot better everywhere. Like any which way you want to go, you'll move faster. Okay. Okay. I guess I just misunderstood because in the Mass Effect games that I've played, I just, I always feel like I'm, 
running through mud. Oh, no, the movement was drastically improved in Andromeda. That would be something I have no... Okay. Yeah, it just was. I also admit I'm not crazy about exosuits. I really dislike mechs, and exosuits feel like a step away from mechs. And that's why I like them. <laughs> <laughs> because you do like mechs? I do like mechs, yeah. Okay. What's your beef with mechs? I <laughs> don't like them. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you for clarifying your stance. <laughs> I don't know. I've never really fully understood why I feel the way I do about them. But for some reason, I just... Anytime they're like in a movie or anything, I'm just like, really? Could we not do that, please? So how did you feel about aliens? Um, I like aliens. <laughs> we know. <laughs> I like aliens a lot. Xenophile. Um, that is not... <laughs> in aliens, you don't have a military saying, you know what would be the best way for us to do everything? We'll put people in giant robot suits so that they move like really slowly or whatever. And I, <laughs> um, it's not a military making a conscious decision to put their infantry in mechs. It's a single person saying, Oh no, how am I going to beat up this one alien getting in a construction loader and doing what they need to do? So in my mind, it's very different. Okay. Spoilers for aliens. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Sorry guys. Hey, we get to test out our spoiler horn. Wait, for alien or aliens? Aliens. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, I don't... I've softened up to mechs in general over the years, but I still prefer to avoid them if I can. But I do agree that they could help smooth out the class system. It's nice that we have a game where like, okay, that seems kind of interesting. We'll keep an eye on it because I don't feel like we've had one that we're all kind of like that interested in for a bit now. Yeah. So I'm mildly interested, but I have some reservations. Also the fact that it's by it's, it was shown on Xbox and that it's by Bioware and by extension EA. Um, since we all play on Xbox makes me happy in the sense that I know we're not going to get screwed. Right. <laughs> Unlike some other games, which we have also talked about, but that specifically love spurning Xbox users. I will say one other thing that Anthem will need to get right. Um, one thing that we didn't really talk about in Destiny that was a very good decision is that they made individualized loot streams. So whether it's currency or ammo or treasure or a fancy weapon each person's stream for what appears for them to pick up is completely separate so you're never going to be fighting over who gets to pick up the ammo or fighting over who gets to pick up the incredible new gun you just found because it's just for that person and so the rng and everything it's it's evened out you don't have to worry about splitting up the loot it did look like it maintained that destiny convention yeah i really hope that anthem does that i know borderlands does not um and most other games that i've played do not do separate loot streams like that i was not really clear how anthem is going to do it from the video it shows one part where a person picks up a gun but 
you're only seeing from one person's perspective, so you couldn't really see if. Yeah, I'm just saying it wasn't something. Uh, the only indication was they didn't stop and have a discussion about it, I guess. Like, there wasn't one person doing it. I mean, yeah, we have very little to go on. I thought she said something like, let's see what I got, which. It made it sound engrammy. Yeah. But like an engram that instantly decodes. Yeah. An engram being like an unknown item in Destiny that you had to take to someone who would figure out what it was and then give you a corresponding piece of gear to what they said it was. It was like taking your presents to somebody else to unwrap them. Mm, that's a good way of putting it. And then that person usually giving you an, a subpar present, which yeah. you break down into its constituent components. <laughs> and then insulting you for your poor choice in what present you picked up, even though you didn't know what it was. <laughs> He'll say things like, interesting choice. You have chosen... Poorly. Poorly. <laughs> Does he say that? No. Okay. He okay. Does that cover Anthem? Yeah. So we'll probably talk about that more if we get more information. Ooh. One other positive about Anthem. It looks like you can walk around the city in the streets, in the market, whatever. That's one thing that Destiny kind of fell short with. You're walking around a tower, but in the first game, at least, you don't get to go down into the city with the people at all. And it has wildlife. Oh, yeah, and some of them were definitely making tauntaun noises. And there were robo-brachiosaurs. Well, if you guys are going to keep going with that, I want to <laughs> share my... Because <laughs> I, what I was going to say earlier with the smoothing the class system was that in Destiny, it never felt like I was really making sacrifices. Like, each class and subclass had special abilities, but... I could use all of the uh, weapons that were available. Um, I always had a grenade. I always had some kind of jump ability. And so there weren't the sacrifices that you had to make when choosing your class was very small, in my opinion. And I think that having a an exosuit with specific armament, armor, speed abilities, things like that, that makes you have to balance those things a lot more in my mind. I don't know. And you actually have to think about the trade-offs. Right. So I guess in that sense, it's more like the class system in mass effect, which makes sense because it's the same company. (laughs) We didn't see that it's PVP either, which might be good if it's not, I don't know. We'll have to see. I would imagine they're probably want to put something in there, but it's, not that the problem with destiny is that they have a pvp and they keep trying to balance the game on the back of that while kind of ignoring how things worked in pve which was usually annoying which leads to things like um for a while hand cannons had too much range and so people were able to use them like scout rifles and so they nerfed the range on the hand cannons but one of my favorite classes to play the gunslinger the super is a golden gun that is based on the hand cannon and when they nerfed the range on the hand cannon it also affected the range on the golden gun so my super became more useless yeah it's off to see when you say robo brachiosaurs are you talking about those things that look like ATATs? um i think so i guess i kind of perceived them slightly differently i thought they were like hammerhead ATATs. Yeah, that's how I saw them. 
another reason I'm excited for the game. We all saw what we wanted to see, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see Batman swinging around in there? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he could get into the exosuit game. Oh, yeah. Like, he would be all over that. I'm pretty sure he's a playable character. Didn't he get into the exosuit game in that one movie? Well, and other comics, yes. Age of Ultron, when he fights the Hulk? <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> um, anyway, so moving on to our next item of discussion, there has been an announcement of a Star Wars Battlefront 2, which I did not play the first one, but Trevor, I believe you'd played it, correct? Uh, yeah, I can give some very brief thoughts. I'm not a an expert on the Battlefront games. But when I got my Xbox One, uh, it came with the Master Chief Collection. And then the first game that I purchased in addition to that was Battlefront. And I have not been entirely happy with it. Isn't it multiplayer only? It has no campaign. It's primarily multiplayer, competitive multiplayer specifically. And there are some brief sort of training missions and i was most excited to drive in atat fly in a-wing and take down atats in the battle of hoth and those are all things that you can do but not really to the extent that i would like so you can play the battle of hoth but it's framed as one of these sort of training missions and it's pretty short and that's it it's not connected to a campaign or anything. Um, the starfighters, you can also fly in some of those kind of missions in the multiplayer. They're sort of power ups where you get the power up, you deploy it and you're flying in a fighter for a little bit. So you can kind of strafe the field or whatever, but they're on just a few maps and you always get shot down really fast. So you never get to fly it for very long. Um, I'd almost rather have a map that's like just everybody's in a starfighter, so you get to fly it the whole time. And then the other problem for me is the multiplayer is based very much on like the weapons that you've collected, which is also true in Destiny, but it's not as much a problem for me because in Destiny I collect the weapons by playing the campaign that I want to play or the strikes or whatever, the the PvE stuff. And then I get to use those weapons in PvP. Whereas in Battlefront, I would have to suffer through a whole lot of not very fun PvP and do well enough with the bad weapons to earn the good weapons while other people have the good weapons and are killing me with them. Yeah, that sucks. And it, yeah, it just kind of sucks. And there's like so many people in every field that I just felt like I was running around dying the whole time. I didn't have much of a chance to acclimate. And the other thing... <laughs> that was kind of a tough adjustment is that the weapons are not hit scan. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Most video games have hit scan, which means that when the reticle is over something and you pull the trigger, the hit instantly registers where you have the reticle. So you have to lead moving targets. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That is hit scan means there's no lead time. There's no travel time for the bullet. Right. It just immediately hits where the reticle is. When there's not hit scan, then there's travel time for the projectile and you have to lead 
what you're shooting at. And true to the Star Wars movies, um, it takes a while for a blaster bolt to get from one side of the room to the other. I thought you were going to say being a grunt um, soldier, you were a terrible shot. That too. Um, <laughs> I couldn't hit anything. It's like the the projectiles are just so slow that I felt like I couldn't hit anything. I'd run into the room. I would spray as many bullets as I could. I would get maybe like one hit, but not a kill. And then I'd die. So, so it's a stormtrooper sympathy generator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you ever go in and try to throw rocks instead and see if that you had better effect with that? <laughs> maybe a wooden spear. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, if Ewoks were playable characters, I would enjoy the game more, even if I died all the time. <laughs> um, so I, I know some people enjoy the game more, but for me, it was too much multiplayer and it was too hard to get into the multiplayer. And I didn't get to spend enough time driving the vehicles that I wanted, or even for that matter, using the heroes that I wanted to, because again, you have to be good at the game to even get to the point where you can use a hero like Darth Vader or whatever. But apparently in Battlefront 2, they are adding in a campaign, which is interesting in that it's going to be from the perspective of the Empire. So that's good news. Hopefully it is a not-too-short campaign. And you can drive an ATAT all you want. Yeah. <laughs> I've just, just been the whole game in an ATAT. You know, I can think of worse ways to spend a game. <laughs> they need to make a game that's like that. Did you see anything else about the game, Matthew? No, that was about it. <laughs> I saw that uh, Finn and Captain Phasma were heroes, and I got upset that they spoiled something from The Last Jedi, having never played Star Wars Battlefront. Because you didn't realize what heroes were. Right. So I thought that they that somehow Phasma came back and was a good person, and yeah. Oh. Nope. She did just get her own Marvel series, so they're doing something with a push for the character. Just to be clear, that is not a spoiler for The Last Jedi. <laughs> Dustin no. was confused. Um, yeah. So I guess we don't have much else to say about that, other than maybe it'll be better. What do you hope to see in Battlefront 2? I'm assuming you're going to buy it, um, because it's Star Wars. I don't know if I will. Traditionally, I've actually not bought a lot of Star Wars games, to be honest. Oh, okay. Because, um, I mean, I don't buy a whole lot of video games to begin with. Um, and the Star Wars ones, I guess, can be fun, but are not necessarily the best. Um, let's see. Uh, the game would be a lot easier for me if the weapons were hit scan, but I don't expect that to happen because, um, like I said, blaster bolts are pretty slow in Star Wars. Um I would like the multiplayer to be easier to get into, but again, that's tough to pull off because that's just kind of the nature of PVP. So the campaign is kind of the only hope for me. I just hope to have lots of opportunities to pilot vehicles. A-Wings and AT-ATs are the main thing for me. I did see that the Millennium Falcon is in the game, but you might just be escorting it or even just seeing it fly by while you're <laughs> playing as the Empire. <laughs> so who knows? Trying to find it. Yeah, maybe. Um, I will probably rent it before buying it because the amount that I've played the first game, I definitely could have got in by renting it. I didn't really need to buy it in retrospect. 
I'm not, yeah. And it is kind of frustrating that there seems to be a trend towards shipping games only with multiplayer because it feels like it's, um, I mean, some game developers actually really focus on that. So I don't want to say it's a lazy approach to game design, but it feels like it's people, I don't know, like they're just like, we don't really want to build, we don't want to build any content into this. We just want to make a thing where you can play with, play this game against other people and essentially let other people generate the content for us. Bungie. (laughs) What's especially brutal about that is when you don't even have split screen. Yeah. So it's like, if you're going to make a PVP game, PVP only game, then you got to at least let people play it against their friends in their house. Cause that's going to be a lot more fun than playing against, um, against strangers who are 10 times better than you. And you never see that are yeah. just faceless people who come to murder you and then leave when you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> also, and this was kind of a confusing thing in the game for me, but, um, after playing it for a little bit, I had the impression that droids were just basically objects in the environment. They didn't really, they weren't going to hurt you. They just kind of roll around and do their thing. Or in some game modes, they'll actually be objectives. Like there's one mode where you're like, you're trying to defend, capture and defend gonk droids. They basically act as like <laughs> mobile. It's it's almost like King of the Hill, but there's three capture points and they're gonk droids. They're just wandering around the field. That one actually sounds kind of fun. Yeah, that's like the one game mode that I thought was fun <laughs> for multiplayer. <laughs> um, but anyway, I found out that droids are actually playable characters. <laughs> And so there were definitely a couple times where I walked into a room and I'm like, oh, there's an astromech over there. Didn't really think about it. And suddenly it kills me. Just like pops a gun out of its head or something and mows me down. (laughs) (laughs) That's how they want you. I don't know. Probably why people play that class. They're like, no one suspects the astromech. (laughs) I think it was a playable character. I suppose it could have been like some power up, like a turret sort of deal that somebody put down but it was definitely an astromech with a gun in its head so okay so another game that um they showed a lot of at e3 is trevor's creed origins that we (laughs) it's actually assassin's creed origins trevor's an assassin well in this case he should have taken it up because it fulfills his lifelong passion (laughs) is it set in peru it is set in not exact Ancient Egypt in the sense that it is an antiquity, but not ancient Egypt in the sense that, like, pyramid building time, it's um, Hellenistic Egypt, but pre-Roman Hellenistic Egypt. So, okay, so it's not in Peru. I don't get to do anything with llamas. What are you getting at? You must be killing crocodiles. You are killing crocodiles. Or you can kill crocodiles. Oh, are they just like wild animals in the environment or are they the main antagonist of the game? Um, the, well, you are going to be in Egypt and they're the crocodile gods are the evil ones. So they, <laughs> there are crocodiles in the environment and we do have at least one instance of a confirmed mission in which you are tasked with killing one. Hmm. So that would be something that if I'm probably the one who's going to play this, I, every time I do it, I will think of Trevor. <laughs> Every time you kill the crocodile, just shout for Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> I will indeed. Um. So the, anyway, they showed off Assassin's Creed Origins. It's set in 
uh, I think it was roughly like 50-ish BCE Egypt, uh, Ptolemaic Egypt, for anyone who knows the history. And it actually, there's been some like people getting tired of the Assassin's Creed franchise, but it didn't. This is the first time they've done a game in two years, and the response has been very um, decent. From what I saw, I was actually really impressed with um, the draw distance in the game, which they were playing it on the a newer console, but that we'll get to talking about in a bit. But they they had that, and then they at one point they pulled out and said, like, okay, well, we're just going to look at where we are on the map, and they showed the demo area and then zoomed out really far and you could see like obviously it's going to be scaled down but the entire country of egypt <laughs> so i was like oh they <laughs> have a lot in this game interesting <laughs> and they made a big deal talking about how like all of the smaller characters like animals and just random guards and townspeople all have programmed in schedules and like goals that they're going to be trying to do so they're moving around the map trying to do those and i was like that sounds like it's going to take a lot of processing power but um generally just because of how i like them for the sense of a historical immersion and then b map exploration so they showed fairly impressive um recreation of ptolemaic egypt and then a huge map to explore so that checked off my boxes and i guess um some crocodiles to murder on trevor's behalf can I train an army of hippos to crunch crocodiles for me? Um, the hippos will attack you if you get if you mess with them. I, will they attack their crocodiles if I train them? I you can definitely set things in the environment against each other if you work it right. So I can attempt to draw a hippo towards a crocodile. Yes. Okay. That will have to do, I suppose. You also, and this is a new feature, have a hawk that you a hawk. I I was assuming from it's a hawk, but it's a raptor of some type. A bird of prey raptor. We have said raptors in not the bird of prey context. Um, that you can launch into the air and use to scout things at any given point, which is new to Assassin's Creed. So that looked like a fun feature because you always have a hawk companion and a mount is always available. Like you can equip a mount that you can always call to your side. And one of the mounts... Is it a sparrow? <laughs> no, it's... Like a tiny hawk? Predominantly a horse, but because you're in Egypt, it, you can have a camel mount what about a chariot i think it has to be an animal Mm. a camel pulling a chariot (laughs) if they are smart maybe they'll throw that in i don't know having never played any assassin assassin's creed games this is called assassin's creed origins is this the first one i should play uh it's also the one that i'm most interested in so far maybe how can it can i get back to you after i play it (laughs) the problem is they might throw in there is a on there's ongoing present day story stuff but that's been really muted in the past couple games and depending on how they do that that would influence the answer Mm, i see i would think they want this to be an entry point for people so origins it's it's the 10 year anniversary of the series was part of the reason why they're doing it and then also um it is the oldest game um oldest that's the wrong term it's the game farthest back in time so they're showing when the assassin brotherhood began or in some form or another that's descended to the modern day began 
the original Assassin's Creed, um, the person running around is in the Third Crusade, so it's like 1200-ish, and everything has been going forward in time since then, so this is a huge leap back in time, comparatively. And if they're calling it Origins, I guess they can't really go back any further. They could. <laughs> they just couldn't. You mean there's history before this? origins <laughs> Um, They couldn't do the story of the Assassin Brotherhood forming. They could, they've left themselves narrative room for doing not like they, not every game has been from the perspective of the Assassins. One of the better ones is called Rogue, and that's actually kind of from, it's partially from Assassin viewpoint, but predominantly from the Templar viewpoint, and that's the antagonist group. What is the chance that we will eventually get an assassin, Assassin's Creed Cretaceous? I'm deeply hoping that it just keeps going that way. But <laughs> um, the in the game-ish lore, I think the ideological conflict only goes back to maybe like 75,000 years. I'm sure dinosaurs were trying to kill each other. Yeah, the way they've done this, they probably could do whatever they want, so... We'll pro- let's just say probably we're going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> probably I will throw my money at them. Um, but anyway, so that's just a note. I will. I usually end up playing. I, <laughs> I don't feel like I've played that many, but now that I count the number of main entry games they've done, I have played quite a few. So they <laughs> I will probably play that and report back when it happens. But I was pleased by what I saw. I was not expecting to be quite as pleased as I am. Good. So our new favorite announcement, which I kind of alluded to a minute ago, is that they announced a new version of the Xbox that is a much more powerful system in what it can do with, I guess, you know, just draw distances and everything like that graphically. Um, What do you mean by draw distance? How far out the game can render away from you in an open world. Okay. Or in anything, really. So, like, your line of sight, your um, visibility. Yeah, it can show you much farther away from you than it than its current than just the basic Xbox One could. Okay. Um, but anyway, this had been known as Project Scorpio for a year because they announced it at last E3, and now they gave it an official name, and it is going to be the Xbox One X. <laughs> Which Trevor came up with a delightful shortening of the term. Xbox. Xbox. <laughs> you heard it here first. Maybe you didn't, but we're totally running with it. So the Xbox is going to completely revolutionize the way you play games with, I don't know. It's basically just a more powerful version of the Xbox One, also known as the Xbone, that could, all, that both of them are still going to be able to play all of the same game. So it's not a new console generation. It's just you have one that's more powerful. Their naming conventions continue to confuse me. <laughs> it's it's just amazing to me because I listen to enough tech podcasts and stuff that I regularly hear people say, oh man, Apple is just really bad at naming stuff. But I've got to think the people saying that don't look at any other tech products. <laughs> Yeah, comparatively, like, naming something the 1X, like, uh, 
And for reference, this there is an older Futurama episode where they make like a tech upgrade product for a robot and it's called Robot 1X. And I was like, wait, that was just a stupid name they came up with for a like mocking TV show and now they there we have a real product that is a something 1X. And so it's just I don't know. It was a weird thing where I guess life imitated art but not necessarily in a good way does this mean we're at least mostly through the phase of everything being named fill in the blank one i hope i think this is supposed to be the last thing in the i mean if you look at the last they i think they only want console generations to be like oh i don't know seven ish years if they had their choice seven or eight and we're into four for the Xbox. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not even talking about consoles. I'm talking about like phones and all kinds of stuff. Oh. Was all being named one. Like brand name one for just everything. I hope so. I hope I hope we've reached peak one. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, so that's going to be I think they they and I don't actually know if they're well no, they they announced the price of this is going to be $500, which is a lot for a console but then i guess one of the points they pointed out is that like you it's comparable to some levels of pc power and they were saying you for the power we have here you couldn't build a gaming pc for the cost for the cost of that yeah you could build a better the cost to power ratio you could build a better gaming pc no question but for five hundred dollars you i think they're saying it sounds almost like they're trying to take a loss on building this just so they can have the most powerful console. But I did see a sales executive say something like, Oh yeah, we, uh, we totally know we're not going to sell more of these than we will. They, and that's, (laughs) they have the current model of Xbox one is called the Xbox one S. And I don't know who approved their two models being the S and the X, but it's, (laughs) it's going to slur together in speech. (laughs) Um, but they, they basically know they're going to sell more of the cheaper model and that, I don't know. It, <laughs> they, it just seemed weird that they're putting a lot of press into the super powerful version when they know they're going to sell the cheaper version more. But maybe that's a some business decision that I'm just not a business person for. So, Well, I hear a lot about like, oh, the PlayStation is more powerful or whatever. Does this decidedly beat the PlayStation on power? Decidedly. Okay. And is that actually how much the PlayStation costs right now? No. So the PlayStation's top version is called the PlayStation Pro. And that is much more comparable to the one that, to the Xbox that is currently out called the Xbox, the S. The, the, <laughs> it is the current. The oh. Xbox One Xbox S. <laughs> X, X, Xbox. Okay. The Xbox Sierra. <laughs> And the Xbox <laughs> X-Ray. We're going to call them that. The Xbox. So this new one is the Xbox High Sierra. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Thanks for muddling that up there. No. Okay. So the current... <laughs> I don't know what good way to talk about this. The, uh, they, it, the, the PlayStation Pro compares more directly to the Xbox One S. In the press, it's getting compared to... Um, the X and they're not really comparable in power. Like the X is much more advanced. Okay. And how much is the PlayStation pro? 
I think that's more in the like 350-ish range. Okay. Um, but Microsoft in, I don't know how long they're going to do it for, but they announced at E3 that they're lowering, lowering the price of the S to 250. Okay. So they're apparently, they want to compete on it. I guess maybe that's probably why they did it. So what would be the reason to get an Xbox one? What would be the reason to get the Xbox if I already have an Xbox Oh, it does for like that's the big thing. It does 4K. Oh, like okay. it's the PlayStation Pro and I think the 1S can do a type of 4K that's kind of like simulating it. That uh, has to do with like upscaling or something like <laughs> okay. that, but it's not true native 4K. The 1X can do 4K. Okay. So, can I assume that all the games that I buy after this are going to have just like really painful load times on my original Xbox Xbox. They say no, but okay. Um, a lot, some of them apparently will have a sticker that says enhanced for one X or something. Okay. Cause I'll tell you the menu speed, like just opening inventory in destiny, the improvement speed with the Xbox one was, worth the price of admission and but they've specific there were destiny was making a big splash because they were deliberately hemming and hawing about if the well we don't know if it's actually going to run really well on the xbox one x we haven't seen the specs we don't know it like they were throwing up their hands saying we don't know but basically for destiny 2 yeah for destiny 2 because and then that was leading to conspiracy theories about how PlayStation was probably buying exclusivity for how the game could run. And I don't know. (laughs) Even though, so now they're saying that they don't know if the Xbox, the, these names, now they're saying they don't know if they'll get any advantage from the Xbox, even though they spent how long complaining about how the Xbox 360 held them back when they would have liked to have done more for the Xbox one. I just, and whatever they, but the other thing, too, is the this game, so 4K was one thing. It should be very easy for the Xbox to run games at 60 FPS, um, whereas, like, most things do 30 and can dip below that with whatever. Um, but then Destiny or Bungie came out and said, well, no, all our games are going to run at, we're going to run it at 30 frames per second on everything. And then that made some people mad, like, why, if it can run on at a higher frames per second like why not use the hardware to do that but yeah they had a whole thing with that too and apparently that's ongoing (laughs) anyway unless i could afford to also buy a 4k tv there's not really any reason for me to buy a an xbox yeah other than a game like it had the standard ones like load times would be smaller it would run like just that and the graphics would in theory be better because it's a higher processor Okay, well, I think we can probably move on from that. Yeah. Um, and then a brief tag on to also what they said in the Xbox. They, in a thing that I don't think a lot of people were expecting, they announced that the Xbox One is going to start doing um, back compatibility with original Xbox games. And they've slowly been adding in back compatibility with 360 games, but I don't think anyone was expecting original Xbox games. So 
right now they've only announced one title that they're doing it for, but I would imagine you'll hear at some point in the relatively near future that they're going to do it with Halo. Since that's probably the most, in, or Halo 2, those are the most enduring popularity Halo game, or Xbox games. Well, with that, there's the additional catch that Bungie would need to put multiplayer servers online for Halo again. Well, no, 343 would have to do it. Oh, right. Well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, the people who actually make the game would need to put servers back online because that's a lot of people's favorite thing about Halo. Yeah, no, that's true. But you could at least do multi, like you could hook stuff up and do local multiplayer, which people like to do as well. Yeah, that'd be worth it, I guess. So anyway, that's also kind of an interesting feature that they have added in. But um, moving on from that, probably the thing that most people were excited about coming out of E3 were all of the bevy of Nintendo announcements that uh, came away. And that was, I think, what I was seeing was about it was that was about the only press conference that people were really enthused about. Um, because mostly, and I'm like these announcements, they announced two Metroid games, which no one was expecting that that would happen, but they announced a new, another Metroid Prime game, which is an excellent series, but they're, it's been 10 years since they've done an entry and no one was necessarily expecting another one. And then kind of a game that's a updating remaster of an, one of the original-ish Metroid games. So those were exciting. And then they announced a new Mario game. Um, they announced DLC for the Zelda game that was a big hit. They announced that there's going to be a core Pokemon game on the Nintendo Switch, which there's never been a core Pokemon game on the console. It's always been on the handheld thing, but then the Switch is kind of like halfway handheld. So there was just a ton of stuff they were throwing out um, that was exciting to people who like Nintendo. So I would like to care about the Nintendo announcements. But the simple fact is I'm not going to buy an extra console to play their stuff. I'd say it's exciting just as it's good. Like Nintendo seemed like they were throwing in the towel for a while. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's nice to see them caring because I think a a console like console and video game design is kind of like an ecosystem. If you knock out the big creatures in it the health of the ecosystem is going to suffer so the more strong video game offerings you have even if you aren't personally going to play it makes it more robust because more people are interested more people are playing that increases the amount of time and energy developers are going to put into do does that make sense like yeah that makes sense it uh yeah rising tide and all that yeah kind of that sentiment so um, I mean, I don't have a switch or anything. I, and I, but I'm now in the mindset of like, oh, I might get one at some point in the future if it was not horrendously, I don't know. I don't plan on like going to any special lengths. So that probably means I would not get it anytime in the near future because they're very popular and hard to find right now. Yeah. You have a specific interest in Pokemon and Metroid, right? Yes. Okay. But not necessarily like I'm going to run out and get those. I don't know. I'm interested. It'll just be a conversation. Like you said, like 
primarily a financial conversation of where I am at that moment in time. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, that, oh, and I do want to make a note because like I said, it's very sold out and popular at the moment. You can look at, um, if you look at Amazon, you'll see it listed through third party sellers. Um, but for whatever, probably just because it's so, the Nintendo Switch is so popular. Um, do not get it off of Amazon because it's at a very substantial markup at the moment. Um, it should, the, the console price is $300, but the ones on Amazon were, when I looked at them a couple days ago, were running at like 420 ish, just because people know they can get the price if people really want one. Uh, it's not quite that simple. Um, if it's third party sellers on Amazon, Amazon actually takes a huge cut. So you have to give it quite a bit of markup as a third-party seller to have any margin. Oh. So it's not entirely the merchant's faults. Um, they're just trying to maintain some margin against Amazon's big cut. So. Well, but the the fact stands that if you... The fact stands that they can do it because people are desperate to get these things. Yeah. And I don't... I mean, like, I'm sure Zelda's a great game. <laughs> it It just doesn't... I don't know. No console's worth that much of a markup is my, I guess if people really, really want it, if you want to spend your money on that, go ahead. But just as a warning, that is not the base price. And just because I don't know that there's a good sense of what the base price is, I kind of wanted to throw that in as a PSA. Yeah. There was one day that I went to the Lego store in the mall and was looking at all the, um, different Star Wars Lego. And then I looked at Amazon and noticed that the Lego Death Stars were marked up like $150 from what they cost at the Lego store. And I thought, holy cow, I should just go buy like three Lego Death Stars and make a ton of money. And then I looked at like what the calculation actually was. And that $150 markup was like $10 profit for laying out and a few hundred dollars laid out and then just like 10 bucks profit. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, yes, buyer beware on that one. Um, also moving on. Uh, so Bethesda, the developer of, um, the popular elder scrolls and fallout series has their own, uh, conference and this year it was again just just kind of mentioned a long series of videos of their current and upcoming projects um i'm basically only invested in bethesda insofar as they will do a sequel to skyrim and potentially there is a rumor floating about that or an open secret in design that they are going to do a skyrim type game but in space and that would also interest me um they did not do either of those and they did not do either of those last year. So they, and they continue to just have lots of games that are very, very violent, <laughs> which does not interest me as a gamer. Um, but they continue to be a disappointment to me. I feel like Skyrim would be a great name for a space game. It really would. <laughs> In lieu of that, I will be inclined to call it space rim if it ever comes to be. Skyrim would have been a better name. I can't yeah. believe they used that one already. Why weren't they thinking ahead a dozen years in the future or whatever when they were doing it? But I guess also probably Bethesda is less of a disappointment if you're into the Fallout series a lot because they continue to do Fallout 
related things. They're, and they're also trying to do paid mods again, which seems like a weird thing to do. To have, I don't know, it feels like it's a, it would be a mess for people to set up, like, build their own mods and then have to work out, like, what the paying something to Bethesda takes and I don't know. That they tried it once before and it didn't work very well, so now they're trying it again. <laughs> Under a different name and, like, with cutesy animations in their videos and whatnot. So, anyway... Um, did it, you have anything else you wanted to say there? <laughs> yeah. I, no. I mean, I like okay. Skyrim. I haven't really got into Fallout, but mm. I would give a space game a shot, I guess. So, in lieu of that, I'm less interested at the moment. This next one is something that I think we all feel um, deeply, is that I'm continually annoyed by Sony and some of their dumb exclusivity things specifically did we mention in the destiny episode that sony does i don't think we did mm, that annoys us all we're surprised we didn't yeah um, they'll have content or guns or different things that are only on playstation and i want to be fair to playstation player like the players i've seen that comment on stuff online they seem as equally annoyed by it as we Xbox players are like, it seems like they look at it and they say this for some reasons with the way the game works, it kind of does end up hurting PlayStation players too for stuff being exclusive. Um, because like some, some features of like merchants that sell that stuff can't go that work cross platform can't sell the exclusive stuff because Xbox players can't get it. Right. Or for instance, if there's a strike that they really like that's exclusive, it's never going to be the nightfall strike, like the big strike for the week. Um, because it has to be something that's accessible to everybody. But yeah, it's annoying because just Sony keeps greasing or someone's greasing someone's palm to, make them continue make uh, make Bungie continually provide unique content just to PlayStation players. Yeah. And yeah, anyway, it seems like Activision is the usual scapegoat for that because everybody seems to Bungie made a deal with Activision for the destiny franchise so that Activision is the publisher. And that seems to typically be viewed as an unholy alliance. And I would agree with that. <laughs> um, but yeah. How is all of this different from Xbox having the Halo series? Oh, so I guess we should throw that out there is that there is a long history of for games that are on, so it's not even talking about exclusive games at the moment. It's talking about games that are cross-platform, so games that are on PlayStation and on Xbox and whatever else, where one game gets some stuff and the other game doesn't. There is a long history where... You mean when one platform gets some stuff and the other platform? Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Um, when one platform gets some stuff, there is a history of other things, like specifically with Skyrim, I know... Xbox had it set up so they got the DLC for Skyrim first. Um, but the period of exclusivity, I guess, is more the problem we're noting. 
with the with Skyrim DLC, they got it for a month, and then PlayStation got it. So that's not a terribly long wait if you want to play a game. Um, with Destiny, it's at least a year for major content releases before you get the exclusive stuff on Xbox. And at, in the current draught, it's going to have been two years or longer. Because they write it open-ended like, it's just exclusive for PlayStation until we... I think they actually initially had it set at a year. And then the way the current batch of stuff worked, they just changed it to be question mark whenever they want to make it open to Xbox players. And part of the reason that's so egregious is that the game gets minor tweaks throughout the year with different DLC and stuff, or even non-DLC updates. But then there are very big changes every year that mean gear you got from the previous year is not going to be very useful. And so typically, uh, just as an example, I got the gun Hawkmoon pretty much the day it became useless because I got it the first day that it was available to Xbox players and it was already totally useless to me. So because it was a year after the game had come out. And there were some like changes to like power levels and gun balancing that all basically exactly it wasn't even available at the current power level it was the old power level that's why it was so useless yeah so you only got you got it in name only essentially and then you could never really use it in the style of play that the playstation players enjoyed for a year and it's just like i've never seen an exclusivity agreement like this that endures the way this one does yeah and part of what makes that more egregious in a way than games that are fully exclusive is that the customers, the players are paying the exact same amount and getting less stuff. So that's why it feels more egregious. Yeah. And then it is constantly kind of being not, I don't know, like almost not by other players, but by the publishers themselves or yeah, the publisher Activision itself, like, hey, it's better to play on this. And it's like, I'm not going to buy a whole new console just to go get this held back content. It just like makes the experience worse for everyone anyway. Right. It would only make a difference if you didn't have a console yet and weren't committed to an ecosystem. Um, but at the point where you already have a console, it's there's nothing about that that's going to be enough to provoke a switch. I mean, for me, I guess I've seen people online say that they've switched, but it seems like not the best decision to me to buy a new console just to get two more guns and a strike. Some people have a lot of disposable income. (laughs) Well, sometimes it would be like, oh, my Xbox broke, so I just went ahead and got a PlayStation to replace it instead of an Xbox okay i guess you don't have any friends who play or something i don't know yeah i don't know um so then also now this is going more towards dustin's art the thing about like the xbox having halo because it's an outright good exclusive game but one of the things they showed a lot of at the sony press conference was a brand new spider-man game i saw this and i watched the whole gameplay trailer and i thought of you and wept i it frustrates me that like any other any other superhero game would be like oh yeah we want to put this 
most superhero games aren't bound to a console. And so then, of course, the one with, like, my favorite superhero, they decide to make console exclusive. (laughs) And it looks pretty enjoyable. And although we just said that it's more egregious for a game to have held back content rather than full exclusivity, um, full exclusivity is also super annoying. Yes. And arguably more egregious. So (laughs) 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 we're upset either way, really. (laughs) Whichever one we're talking about at the moment, we're going to be more upset about. I actually think I still feel more upset about the Destiny thing than this because it feels more like an active middle finger to a certain class of players, whereas, I don't know. I kind of understand console-exclusive games as, like, movers of the con. I don't know. I guess it's a matter... Let's just be mad about them all. I'm fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like it has really good gameplay, though. And I've seen... I mean, it would be tough to know without playing it. And I've seen gameplay footage from some different spider-man games and it always seems kind of like why did you bother making this a spider-man game (laughs) like you can shoot web in people's faces but then like the singing between buildings kind of just feels like a janky flying mechanic oh yeah there was one (laughs) but this one looks pretty cool one of the spider-man games for the movies back in the early 2000s you just would like hit web sling and you'd be perpetually web slinging through the air when there's clear like you're over central park there are no buildings you're like 30 feet over all the tree line and you're just continuing to web sling through the air and it's just sort of like a bouncy flying mechanic yeah it's a bouncy flying. <laughs> you could stop at any point and hang upside down from your web when there's clearly nothing <laughs> like <laughs> yeah um but this one looked a good deal more thought out and they have they showed this really cool scene for the gameplay trailer where he's like chasing a helicopter. And at the very end, they threw in an Easter egg that Miles Morales is going to be in it. Who's a another extended Marvel character that would be interesting to see in that game. I, um, I told Betsy about Miles Morales a couple weeks ago and she did not like the idea of there being a different Spider-Man. Oh, she would hate this Marvel as a whole then. There's like... <laughs> I try... I don't remember exactly why it came up. It came up because of some other... Oh, I think I I was reading Hawkeye. And I showed her a place where they say like, bye Hawkeye, bye Hawkeye. Like they're both calling each other Hawkeye. And she's mm-hmm. like, why are they doing that? And I explained, you know, it's pretty common that there will be an identity that more than one person uses at different times. And it just so happens that these people are kind of overlapping for instance, Peter Parker and Miles Morales are both Spider-Man, Spider-Mans. And she was like, what are you talking about? What? <laughs> this, is, this is not okay. Um, the upcoming publishing initiative for Marvel for the fall is a series called Generations that is entirely about younger versions going back in time or something and meeting the original versions. So it's entirely going to be like, Thor's paired up, Hawkeye's paired up, Captain America's paired, Captain's America paired up, <laughs> um, Iron People paired up, Spider-Man paired up, Jean Grey's paired up, um, Wolverine's paired up. It's There's just, more than one Jean Grey? <sighs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's not get into that. Um, it's no and yes, that's the answer. Um okay. <laughs> But yeah, there's just, it's the entire, there's like, I don't know, 12 different versions of all just, oh, and Hulks. There's multiple Hulks. There, it's just Captain's Marvel. All of this 
Ms. Mar- yeah, Ms. Marvels, they're that's the whole thing. So I just think it's funny that Betsy learned about that and is upset about it because Marvel's doubling down on it, no pun intended. <laughs> so anyway, yes, it's annoying that they had that. And Dustin, are you still there? Yes. Okay. You're just quiet. <laughs> I was going to make a joke, but the time passed. So Okay. Then the, another thing, which I, is a note that I think is annoying, is I there aren't many sports games I would have any interest in whatsoever in playing. One I would main i would potentially do i'm not saying i necessarily would but if i was going to play one it would probably be um an mlb game for whatever reason (laughs) the main mlb game has an exclusivity deal signed with playstation so it's only on playstation and the one mlb game that exists on xbone is crappy but it's not even like i don't think they're comparable right the one that's meant to be the main kind of like because like all sports games have like a yearly entry that is the main thing associated and licensed by their sport that is only on playstation right every other sport like basketball and football and all the other main american sports hockey are cross-platform but baseball for some reason signed just with sony anyway that's my end of i'm assuming that annoys dustin too it does I don't really understand sports video games. It doesn't seem like it seems like if you want to play baseball, you'd go play baseball, not a video game. I That's know. if you have athletic ability. <laughs> I like sports games for essentially what I would use patrol for in destiny. It just a low stakes past the time. I want to play a video game, but I don't want to, get very deep into it just something to relax yeah but yeah it's i guess we just tipped our hand we don't play video games to relax (laughs) (laughs) video games are serious guys come on um so yeah anyway the but again i kind of i kind of get console exclusives when it's like a third party not a third party when it's a its own intellectual property being developed so like PlayStation has one that's called Horizon Zero Dawn that's like a totally unique thing they've done that's not related to other stuff. And I that seems like it's within the prerogative of exclusives. When you take a known property that everyone is already invested in and saying like, no, only this only gets to be on this system, that's kind of annoying. So like Spider-Man 1 does annoy me for that reason. There are a couple of PlayStation games that are like what you just mentioned, um, just completely PlayStation exclusive that I'd like to be able to play because John Syracuse talks about them all the time, but um, it's just not going to happen because I don't have a PlayStation. Yeah. I'm assuming the exclusivity of the Spider-Man game is directly related to the movie rights for Sony. I would think it might somehow be tied in but no that doesn't make any sense because they've made cross-platform spider-man games in the like 2008 2010 2011 or 12 maybe since they made the deal with marvel to put spider-man back in mcu movies they decided to capitalize on their rights elsewhere right by making the game exclusive since they're not necessarily capitalizing as much on the movie rights but i 
I think Spider-Man could still be in games on the Xbox. Like, I think it's just a decision on this specific game. Right. It's not like a... Yeah, I'm just saying maybe because they're doing the other stuff with the movies, they decided to tighten up somewhere else and see if they could wring a little more money out of it that way. And this game has nothing to do with the movie, the upcoming movie, I think. Yeah, that, I'm, but still. I know, I'm just clarifying because I think that is probably something that's going to get confused. Okay. Well. I'm done ranting about things. I feel like I've just been complaining <laughs> now for a while. <laughs> and another reason why this generation is so terrible. <laughs> Millennials are destroying everything. That's basically what I've got. Is that <laughs> millennials are the worst thing to ever happen to humanity. Will we be the first generation to complain about everything being destroyed, not because of Vigi games, but because Vigi games aren't exactly how we want them? <laughs> Potentially. Hmm. But then, I don't know. People seem very willing to accept, like, very, uh, what's the word? Very bad um, free-to-play games that just vampirize people who are yeah. very eager to part with their money. Yeah, that is the worst. Th Despite everything we've complained about in this episode, that is the worst thing happening in gaming these days. It's the new gambling. Yeah. And I'm not even saying all free-to-play games are bad. There are some good examples out there, but they tend not to be... Uh, the worst offenders are like cheap mobile games where people are just trying to cash in as on something as fast as possible. The ones that let you spend various amounts of real currency on various amounts of fake currency tend to be the biggest offenders. Or the ones that make arbitrary time limits on stuff. Like, you can only do 10 moves a day. Right. Would you like to pay $5 and get an extra 10 moves? Like, you yeah. make your own limits and then let people pay you to break the limits. <laughs> It's essentially the same thing. It's just not doing it with a currency shield. Right. But that's, prob that's probably almost a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One that we probably never want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's probably it for our... Do we have any post-show stuff? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Well, you can find the show notes for this episode at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 14 you can find us on twitter at better worlds net and we also have a slack group if you want to converse with us please email us at feedback at betterworlds.net and we will send you an invitation for the slack group um, i know email is not necessarily the most conversational medium but Email us at that address and we'll invite you to the Slack group and you can talk with us and some other listeners. Um, another thing that would really help us out would be if you would leave a review for the show on iTunes and a rating. Or in the spirit of our video game discussion today, leave us feedback on what type of video game you love or then you want us to talk about, even if we haven't played it. Oh, yeah, you could do that either by email or by joining the Slack group. But not on iTunes. But not on iTunes. <laughs> I mean, you could leave it there, and I guess we might eventually see it whenever we remember to check. But not the ideal communication method. Thanks for listening. Go then.
So guys, we have a sponsor now. We do. That sponsor is Audible. Audible is a service that provides audio books for all kinds of books that you could ever want to listen to. I used to think that audiobooks were fake reading, but then I realized that I could read way more books if I listened to audiobooks in addition to reading books. Um, it just means more reading time overall. So I've gotten pretty into audiobooks over the past year and a half or so. And I recently listened to Ready Player One. That is one that you could listen to. Um, we talked about it in the last episode. Um, so it, <laughs> you laughing at me, Matthew? <laughs> no, I'm just... It was such a nice round recommendation, and we were. I guess we, were we really weren't harsh towards it. We weren't too unkind. We eh. could have, yeah. Anyway, what we're getting at is, if you want to do a thirty-day trial of Audible, free and trial. get a free audiobook, free, cheap as free, can go to audibletrial.com/slash/betterworlds. And again, this is completely free. You get a free book out of it. And um, you can check out one of the books we talked about last week, such as Ready Player One. They have both English and German editions. I was briefly very um, excited that they had a, a version that was not read by Will Wheaton, even though I missed it by uh, maybe about six weeks. I think it came about six weeks after I listened to it. Uh, but then I realized that version is in German. So if you are an English speaker and do not know German, then you should listen to the Will Wheaton version. You could also listen to Dune, one of my favorite books. It's a good one. Do you have any examples that you've thought that stand out in your memory, Trevor, of being very well delivered audiobooks? Um, this is probably not going to be an answer that you love, but. The Star Wars books are very well produced hmm. audiobooks. Um, they put in a lot of sound effects and stuff. Uh, what was the one I've that heard, I liked? I've hmm. heard good things about Harry Potter books. Oh, yeah. The Harry Potter ones are really good. Um, there's a lot of controversy over which version is better, but whichever one you listen to first, you'll probably like better. Like the, like when you see Doctor Who? Exactly. <laughs> um. Another book that makes a good audiobook is Ancillary Justice. Um, actually, I didn't. I read that one, but then I listened to Ancillary Sword, and now I'm listening to Ancillary Mercy. And it's kind of nice because there's a lot of words that I have no idea how to pronounce, but audiobook takes care of that problem. How do you pronounce the alien species that's just a bunch of R's? I don't know what you're talking about. Are they the Ur? I can't remember. Hmm. Do... When are they mentioned? Uh, in chapter two. I don't know if they're talked about in the second book at all. Oh, you only listened to the second book. Yeah, I only listened to the second book. Oh, okay. Matthew, they have Watership Down. Oh, who does? I, my first thought was like, is who does narration for it? Ralph Koshman. Kosh, no, Kosham. Hmm. I don't know who that person is. Also, Dustin, when you asked about words that are R's, I was going to make mention that in some Slavic languages, R is a vowel, and it's just pronounced er. Mm. To give a more specific answer on the the Star Wars audiobooks, um, the person who read 
Rogue One and Catalyst, a prequel to Rogue One. Um, he had a very pleasant voice, and he did an excellent Galen impression. The audiobook of Dune is narrated by, like, six people. Hmm. Oh, that's always nice when they have, like, different people reading the different voices. Yeah, that is nice. Anyway, we've actually given you far too many choices, um, so... <laughs> I mean, you could always buy more books, but you get one free one. And 30 days free listening. Well, I mean, if you choose to do the ongoing subscription, then you get some allotments of books from there on out. But you can pick one of them. Trevor, where can we listen to audio, uh, Audible books? Um, anywhere you can listen to them from your phone. And what, what are you getting at? <laughs> well, yeah, you can listen to them on your phone or Kindle or different oh. mobile things. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. If you want to consume a single book, both by reading and by audiobook, then it will actually sync the Audible and the Kindle version, the position between the two, if you wanted to. Very cool. Um, anyway, we probably should have given you just like one or two recommendations, but now you have like a dozen. So once again, that's at audibletrial.com slash betterworlds, free trial for 30 days and a free book. That's all. I didn't think that was terrible for our first. I thought it was way long. <laughs> it was it was long, yeah. But we'll tighten those up in the future. It wasn't unprofessional. No. I feel like. But we'll we'll try to keep that shorter in the future, I guess. Definitely. Next time we'll have to do like a skit where it's like, Oh, I'm so tired of reading all these paper books and weakening my eyes. If only there was another way, and then Dustin comes in. There is another way, my friend. What do you mean, Dust? I mean, sir, I've never seen before. <laughs> I don't know you. Because my eyes are weak from reading. <laughs> Who said that? You sound like the voice of an angel. <laughs> if you love my voice, you'll love the voice of quality narration delivered by dozens of books. <laughs> Probably more than dozens of books. <laughs> 180,000. That is slightly more than a dozen. That is several dozen. <laughs> <laughs> That makes me think of Watership Down, where rabbits count one, two, three, four, a thousand, because they have no <laughs> use for any number beyond four. So every number after that is just a thousand. <laughs> that is 15,000 dozens. <laughs> so a few dozen. <laughs> Go to audibletrial.com slash betterworlds for... <laughs> 15,000 dozen books. <laughs> I used to bullseye womp rats. <laughs> oh. Aren't womp rats huge? <laughs> I saw, I don't remember where I saw this, but it was in the la within the last week. It said something like, Imagine being the idiot who thinks it's a good idea to talk about how you used to murder rats for fun back home in your first briefing. In your first briefing on the first day of the job. It's kind of a point.